0: Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Do you love me so much in your ear, you also want me in your inbox? Sign up for my newsletter for more thoughtful content and resources to help your style discovery. Visit www.bu.style to sign up or click the link below in the show notes to get notes from that delivered directly to you. Welcome and thank you for coming back to another Wear Who You Are Wednesday. So I'm just going to start off by saying that today's episode is a very, very personal one for me. So uh, as a Trigger warning, I will be talking about death for anyone that may not be in the space to join a conversation today about that topic matter. So before I do dive into it, I just want to start by saying a couple things. So first, I generally have always had a tough relationship with what I call hallmark holidays, like Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Even when, you know, I have people to celebrate as The holidays are meant and marketed for. Um, I really believe in honoring people we love, but I do hate the over-commercialization of it all and the marketing depictions of, you know, what these happy days are supposed to look like and kind of giving us false expectations. So when this Sunday comes, no matter what your relationship with Father's Day is, remember to work through it however you need to. For me, sometimes I put all my social media away and I don't even open and scroll Sometimes I post something because it feels like I want to honor dad. Sometimes I do anything to distract myself from the day. And sometimes I just want to talk about my parents and cry. It really, um, I'm really learning that it's personal, it's individual. There should be no expectations. And if there are, shut them out and do what you need to do. Second, on that same wavelength, I just want to say that grief is also very personal. There's no right or wrong, no timelines, So until I really experienced the losses of my parents, which have been for me the most profound and close losses, I didn't realize how grief hit, when it hits, what it looks like. I didn't realize how it would feel when it felt like everyone else forgot and moved on while the losses are still taking up a huge place in my heart. So I've really come to understand that it's all normal. It's all okay. It's whatever it needs to be for you individually. So with that, I'm going to move on. And as I mentioned in today's episode, it's an extra dear one to my heart. And to be quite honest, I wasn't sure if I was going to record it, but the tug kept coming over and over and over. So I'm just trusting my heart and my instincts and um, the influences on this one. So it was almost two years ago today that I unexpectedly lost my dad. It was about two and a half months before my wedding I'd just seen my dad two weeks before. He was healthy and, as usual, ornery mixed with kind self. And since his loss, I had a wedding. I left a big contract. I have moved. I've had many other life happenings. And we had a very special connection um, in our shared interests. Uh, We had a lot of shared things that we loved. We had similar drives for success and always like needing to work hard and doing things. Um, We loved people. We both love people. We're both a little feisty. We're both competitive. Um, I've really felt his absence profoundly. I felt like there has been a big hole in my heart that I've really just been missing him. That's until recently when I went on vacation to London and since then I felt him extra close. So you see, he and I went to London together a couple of times. The first time was when I was 21 years old. He picked me up from my study abroad. We had the best first time when he was there meeting my study abroad friends, and then we went to Rome together where we ate copious amounts of gelato. I think we saw something like 17 or 18 of the top 25 sites from a guidebook we had. Then we went back to London. I showed him all the different sites. It was really the best time. We probably annoyed everyone in our family and friends talking about it so much after every time we were together. Like, remember that time? Remember that time? So I'm sure we were really annoying, but we didn't care. The second time we went after he retired. We'd both been talking over and over, like I said, about how much we loved our first Europe trip together. So at that time, I'd recently moved to New York so when he retired and we'd had a party for him in Logan Sport, Indiana, I told him like, you know what, dad, I'm taking you back to London for a retirement celebration. We had the best time. The first time I think it'd probably been maybe five or six years since we'd gone. And like, we don't know how many times we're going to be able to go back together. And so we went back and it was another totally, completely unforgettable trip. We went to different cities outside of London, saw new sites that we hadn't seen before And those two trips are hands down some of the best memories in my entire life. We were able to connect and share so many special moments. One of the special memories was going to see Les Mis together. He loved it so much. I love it so much. And you see, since then, every time I visit London, I see Les Mis. And the last time when I went this past April was no exception. My husband hadn't seen it yet. So I was going for, I think it's the ninth time really wasn't thinking too much about it, except I was really excited to introduce Troy to my favorite musical and there's new production changes on it and they, you know, changed the stage. So I was really looking forward to seeing that because I just generally love theater. And then the overture came on and I immediately just started crying. I pretty much cried the entire show. And then I cried for a couple hours after. I really, I, I was grieving like I haven't grieved before. And I realized that a couple things, one, I might really love Le Miz so much because like my dad, when I really thought about the storyline was my living Jean Valjean in so many ways, so many parallels. And after my night of crying, I started to feel really connected to dad. Like I haven't since his death. I'm sure it's not a coincidence, but I was also happened to be there at the same time a childhood friend ha- was staying for a month. She was working, she's an author and was working on some research for a book. She also really loved my dad. In fact, her dad spoke at my dad's funeral and he told a story about how my dad had influenced Becky's life. So Becky and I met and we talked and talked and uh, talked about my dad and we took a walk in Hyde Park, talked about growing up and, you know, funny stories about him and then I went to some of the places that he and I had gone to together in London, and I started to talk to him openly and honestly for the first time since his passing. And since then, I have felt him so much closer to me than ever, and I am more keenly aware than ever how much he influenced the woman that I am today. So you see, from as young as I could remember, my dad would leave the house for work, and he had a trademark goodbye. That goodbye was, remember who you are. And because I loved my parents more than anything in the entire world, I wanted to make them proud. That list of who I was traditionally included a list of activities that I was in and academic awards and being a faithful member of a dogmatic high-demand religion. So I was always doing the things I thought that my parents would be proud of and what I thought that, like, remember who you are meant. So there was these early days of overachiever Natalie, and I usher you in from there to teenage and early adult Nat. So this is the Nat who starts experimenting with life a little bit and asking a lot of questions. What makes me me? What do I value the most? What's my moral code? So as I'm answering these questions, I'm now finding myself running into a bit of a quandary. It seems as though some of the significant parts of who and what I am are in conflict with what I think my parents want me to be. Hmm. I have to think about this. But I'm young, so I dismiss it. Never mind. I'm just in my teenage rebellion years. This is totally normal. At the end of the day, disappointing mom and dad to their core would break my heart more than forging whatever alternate path seems to be tugging at me. So I wasn't quite ready for full disruption yet. But I still found ways to rebel quietly as many of us did as teenagers. And clothing was a big part of that. So in my faith, you were supposed to dress modestly, citing that your body is a temple, which meant like usually covering most of your body. So in my little tiny acts of fashion rebellion of the age, I saved up my own money to buy my first two-piece swimsuit to wear to friends' houses, or I would like wear a parent-approved shirt out and switch into a tube top to wear at school dances or at parties. So I was being like a little rebellion through little rebellious through clothing. However, because of this religion, the need for approval, I generally would get back on the path laid out for me by, you know, my elders and find myself getting married very young to someone I really barely knew at the time, like I was 21 years old. I didn't really feel 100% right about it, um, but I ignored any red or yellow flags. I'm like, what do I know? I'm just a baby in the scheme of things. The people I love most are telling me, like, go for it. Serve the Lord, he's going to be a great husband and patriarch of the home. I'm like, Patriarch. Now I'm thinking about, like, wait, what? So, someone else is going to tell me how to live my life, and particularly someone who really wasn't that nice. So, as you can imagine, this grand plan to please others is backfiring big time for me. You know, infidelity, abuse, the whole buffet of dysfunction is coming at me. All the while, there are leaders in this religion telling me to stick it out, have faith, you know, support him, it's your duty. And then I am starting to like, really feel embarrassed of this person. I'm like a huge failure. I'm like, if I tell my parents and my friends what's really going on, like I'm totally failing. I'm not like, going to make them proud. On top of it, I'm wearing these religions required undergarments that make me have to literally cover up parts of my body as an act of faith, So I can't even like sneak out in the tube top. So where does this leave me? Like feeling a little stuck and unlike me. So then there's this real Natalie to the rescue. She's locked up in a tiny room, scratching, banging, scraping at walls. Finally, it's so loud. She's shouting like, let me out, let me out. So finally, slowly but surely, she is starting to win. I, Natalie, am starting to win. I leave the marriage. I stop living by the rules of this religion that don't align with my core beliefs. I take out the garments and wear whatever I want. I stick with this new career path as a stylist that I just started. So I was only about two years into it for context. I'm 13 years into it now. So the career hasn't consequently taken off quite yet at the time, but I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. So even though I can't really pay my bills, I decide that there is no place like my New York home. So I start getting bolder and braver along the way. It's hard as hell, but it feels good. It feels right. So here I am, I'm in New York, remembering and owning who I am in this New York life, and there's this lingering big missing piece of my fullness and the potential that's locked in that tiny room. It's nagging at me harder and harder with each new big move that I make in New York. It is that the real Natalie is scolding me over and over, and I know that I must show up as my authentic self to everyone. That's including my beloved parents, especially my dear hero dad. Now this is the dad who I watched Jeopardy with every night growing up. This is the dad who coached all of my sports. This is the dad who I just mentioned that I traveled to Europe with and we had such a good relationship and the one who I fought with the most and I idolized him the most. This is the man who literally fought for me to have me since the day I was born. So at this point, I can't hide anymore. I need to let the real Natalie be with everyone. Furthermore, my whole business ethos is built on empowering others to understand who they are and to wear it proudly. Like that's why I'm here. Meanwhile, you know, I've stopped wearing these religious undergarments in New York, but when I'm going home to Indiana, I'm covering up and you know, I'm, I'm at least pretending like I'm wearing them. And then slowly I kind of stopped doing it. Um, there even a funny story. I had to hide one of my I had to hide my Facebook post. One of my sisters showed my parents a picture of me um, in a midriff bearing. It was actually a cutoff sweatshirt. It wasn't even revealing in the least. So it was a Halloween costume of me dressed up as Bill S. Preston Esquire from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure doing like the party on dude stance. You no, know, you know. And so the little sliver of my stomach was showing and my sister was just showing my parents like, oh, Nat's having fun. And my mom being like, oh, her, her stomach showing. So All those little things were a a big deal in my home. So all this to say that I've reached a really critical turning point of knowing, and that is that I now love myself more than I love the approval or love of anyone else, and that is including my dear dad. So my new gold standard and my new firm belief is just following love and acceptance first, and so that love really started with loving who I am fully fully. And that real Natalie that I'm starting to really discover and and love showing. So when my next trip to Indiana comes, I know what I must do. I sit down on the couch with dad one night before our nightly Alex Trebek time. I say, dad, I want to let you know that I don't go to church anymore. And this religion is just not right for me. He responds. He's like, I already know that sissy. But can I ask like, why is that? So he'd already known he was just waiting for me. I said, well, dad, I don't believe in the teachings and I feel more trapped when I live by its rules. Like it may be right for you, but it just doesn't feel true to who I am. I t- just can't do it anymore. And then dad takes a deep breath and he takes a moment to respond. And he says two things that I'll never forget. The first is, sissy, you've always been too smart for your own good. Still to this day, I view this as one of the best compliments he's ever given me. The second is, I love you. And I just want my baby girl to be happy. Now that I understand that response could have been very different and I'm so glad it wasn't, but the big truth for me at this moment is that being true to me, uncovering and then remembering who I am, not who anyone else wants or projects me to be is the only way I can show up fully to love others. So, as I mentioned, my dad passed away unexpectedly two months before my wedding And in this great loss, I have found such a huge comfort in knowing that he passed away really knowing and understanding who his baby girl is. And he got to see me uncompromisingly live it and love it in my unique way. Lucky for me, he loved me deeply along the way. Now, to this day, dad's trademark message is still the best advice I've ever received. And he literally said it every single day. Remember who you are. So now you have it the real inspiration behind the title of this podcast, Wear Who You Are. My Dear Dad and His Daily Reminder. In order to wear who you are, you have to know who you are. Remind yourself who you are. Especially when times get tough. Maybe you have to continually rediscover who you are. And when you keep doing that, You can wear who you are each step of the way. Show up authentically as you each step of the way. I want to end with a few stories of my dad and how his influence of being an example of someone who knew who he was and unapologetically lived it proudly influenced me to learn who I am. Remember who I am, live who I am, and show who I am. And a big part of who I am is because I was lucky enough to have his support and capacity to love so big for 38 years of my life. So the first story. I'll call it, we dress to respect the space. So, my dad and I would always go to the theater in Logan'sport, Indiana, growing up. So, the high school always did an annual musical. Dad and I both loved the arts. So, we would have a daddy daughter date that I'd look forward to every year. And we'd have a dinner before, and then we'd go to the theater. And he'd always tell me to get dressed up. And he always, I remember he looked at me and he said, Sissy, we get dressed up to respect the space we're going to and respect the hard work of the people who are putting on the show. And to this day, I still love the theater. And when I go to the theater, I always dress to respect the space. Or when I'm going into other places, I remember my dad's advice of, we always dress to respect the people who have worked so hard to put on a show for us or to do something for us. Story number two. I'll call it push through the discomfort for the joy of discovery. So I mentioned that my dad and I went to Rome together and we saw all these sites. So that was a lot of walking. We also did have a lot of gelato that one day we'd particularly walked a lot. I remember sitting in the hotel room and he was taking his shoes and socks off and I saw that his feet were Bloody and blistery. I looked at him and I said, "Dad, you know we don't have to walk so much. We can we can stop. Like, what can we do for you?" And he just looked up at me and he says, "It doesn't matter. I'm with my baby girl and I'm having the best time." So I don't tell you this to get shoes that give you blisters, or to put yourself through all of that physical discomfort all the time if you don't need to. But I use it as a metaphor, and that sometimes we have to push through some discomfort in our discovery. In order to find something better, to learn something new, to stay curious. Now, the last story of my dad is to make room for fun and don't take yourself too seriously. So my dad was, you know, we're from a small town. He was really accomplished. He'd worked really hard to um, move up in his company. So he ran a factory. He, you know, helped with the Boy Scouts. He was on the school board. He coached a lot of things. He was really, you know, beloved and respected. But one of the reasons I realized he was beloved so much is because he really had one of the best sense of humor and zest for life like no other. He wasn't afraid to be weird or different, especially in the name of fun. Like He was known to wear a t-shirt that said Sweet Willy on it, or he loved my Forrest Gump impersonation. So he bought me a shirt that said my mama says I'm special. So I had one made for him that said my daughter says I'm special. And we wore them together because it was just fun. My fact, In fact, my dad had so much fun that he was unafraid to literally wear it. And he would dress up Um, a couple times. I remember there were these like high school basketball games, which were a big deal in in Indiana. So the um, gym was full of people. And I remember one time they didn't have a halftime show to do for whatever reason. So someone knew, you know, said something to my dad. And so next thing you know, my dad's walking out in a skirt, a sweater, along with a stuffed bra and a wig. And he did a bit that he would do that was acting out the part of Flip Wilson's Geraldine sketch in front of this whole room. He was so fun and he just wasn't afraid to do it. No matter what anybody else said, he would often say things like, you know, fooey on them if they don't understand because he knew that life was about having fun and enjoying the moment. So in honor of Father's Day coming up, I just want to thank the men who have shown us women that there are good men, whether they have the official title of dad or not. Thank you to the ones that respect women and empower women, the ones that fight for us to have a seat at the table and who speak up with us to help our fight for equality. The ones that don't blame a woman for distracting men or say she was asking for it because she was dressed a certain way. You are the example of the kind of dads and good men we need. I think dad and father are different. I think a father is the one that's related to you by blood. And I see a dad as the person who was always there for you, even if they are related by blood or not. I was lucky to have a dad that taught me to remember who I am and loved and supported me, even when he didn't quite understand my decisions. Now that he's gone from this earth, I feel him with me every day inside of me telling me to remember who I am. And a big part of who I am is who he was, someone who loved people fiercely, a sweet rebel who believed that people were more important than silly rituals or rules and someone who loved life and believed in hope and optimism over doom and gloom. So I'm proud to be Bill Tincher's daughter and carry on parts of him in the work I do, including this podcast and the ways I live my life. I send all my love to you who are happy on father's day. I send all my love to you who have a complicated relationship with the day. As I text my friends who have tough relationships with these Hallmark holidays, I send them a text that says Hallmark holidays are lame, but I love you. Do what you got to do on these days to come and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining another Where Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BUStyle. That's the letters B, U, and style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Wear Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again and see you next time.